yet another edition of Comfortably Unnumb, the official podcast of the Umbrella Society. My name is Blake Anderson, the program manager here at Umbrella Society in Victoria, British Columbia, and also the host of this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Can I say tuning in? Is that too old fashioned? I don't know. I'm just going to roll with it. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, season two is now off to the races. Uh, we kicked off the season two weeks ago, chatting with Connor, one of the faces of this year's recovery campaign. It was incredibly powerful to hear Connor's story and also hear how giving back in this field has been so beneficial to his own recovery. And in that same vein, today I'll be speaking with Lance, an amazing support worker for the Umbrella Society. And similar to Connor, Lance has experience with Umbrella first as a resident in our supportive recovery houses and then as a support worker himself. Lance's ability to connect with clients and residents of this program is absolutely amazing. Where Lance works, there are almost 200 residents at various stages of change, and Lance seems to have built strong relationships with everyone. This is no small task. And Lance's story is one of hope as he spent over 30 years of his life in addiction before getting the conviction and resolve to make that change. Uh, Lance's life is worlds apart from where he was in his active addiction, and the pride he takes in this new life and in his work is an absolute joy to witness. So he is living proof that no matter how indentured you are in your addiction and your way of life, there is hope and there's a way out. So it's my pleasure to introduce Lance to the program today. Okay, Lance, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really special for me to have you on because I've you know had the pleasure to witness you know at least uh, part of your recovery journey and and also see you know you came into uh the umbrella fold uh you know through our housing but you know to see you turn into such an amazing and powerful worker who just has this ability to connect uh with our clients and 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 with folks uh you know in this field is is just been amazing and it's been a pleasure to watch um so thank you and i know that that your journey uh you know is, is quite a profound one and is and is you know uh definitely something that has uh you know t been years in the making so you know i would love to uh you know chat about that a little bit and and you know hear your story it's i think it's a really powerful one anyways thanks for thanks for being here yeah thanks buddy um yeah i'm super stoked to be here man right on um yeah cool so you know how i how i usually start is i love to get a little bit of a backstory i think it's really you know uh you know powerful to hear where we came from and, and, and what, you know, things were like, uh, before the recovery journey really started. Right. And, uh, you know, it's really up to you to how far you dive back, but I'll, I'll let you steer the ship on that one. Um, yeah. Where, where did, uh, you know, kind of addiction first start showing itself into your life or where, where, where would you like to begin? Well, I think addiction started showing itself in my life. Um, I think it goes back to when I was about seven years old. Um, my father, ever since I can remember, was a heavy addict. Um, you know, just into all kinds of shit. Um, I don't remember him being around much, but I, I do remember seeing all kinds of, you know, stuff to do with alcohol and drugs and hmm. uh, crime, bunch of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think when it started affecting me the most, I think I was 13 years old. Um, and I had lost a girlfriend I was really close with. Um, actually, you know, at 13, you know, I'd had a sleepover at her house. Um, you know, went home the next day, my mom picked me up and, you know, it turns out she had fallen off her horse and broken her neck, um, oh. that day when I was on my way home. Wow. Um, 
And pretty much immediately after that, I, I started with the drugs and alcohol. Okay. Um, you know, nothing heavy at that point. It was, it was, you know, pretty much marijuana and beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that changed. That went on from about 13 to 17. Um, you know, doing the kids stuff. And uh, I, I, I met my father again. Actually, he was out of my life for, for quite a long time. You know, never was a father. Um, but we, we got together and hung out as like, I guess you could say, like party friends for a little bit. Okay. And he, uh, he, he gave me my first shot of heroin. I, yeah, I was 17. And that was the, you know, the beginning of the, re- the real downfall right. of Lance. Wow. You know, um, that's when... That's when all the, the, the heavier things in my life started happening. You know, the, the heavier crimes, the, um, yeah, just the, the heavier things in my life. Right. Yeah. And that's got to be such a confusing feeling, too, this coming from your dad and someone, you know. Yeah, that's a... At the time, no. Yeah. Uh, in hindsight, absolutely. Right. Right. You know, that's not sure. something, you know, I'm a father now, and that's, that's something I wouldn't even think about doing with my children. Right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, the, the game has changed here at a pretty early age, uh, you know, getting into the, the, the harder drugs and, and the down and um, what, you know, at, at that point, you know, was there any semblance of, of normalcy in, in your life or was it kind of full throttle? Oh, at that point it was full throttle. Um, you know, it, it was on, it was... Um you know, rage against everything I could possibly rage against. Um, yeah, it, you know, th- you know, there, there was just, you know, at that point, I think, you know, from the age of 17 um, to the age of, I guess, maybe, I don't know, 25, you know, I, I um, it just got really bad really bad at that point um you know doing things i never thought that i would do right you know um yeah yeah so that that point then i mean that that window what what was the was there kind of a, a stop point to that you're saying 17 to 25 um yeah yeah. Um, well, yeah. Um, 25 was like, I, I, through those years, you know, through all those years of, 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 you know, the heavier stuff, I'd lost quite a few friends to violent crime. Okay. And I had lost one at this point, I think it was the age of 25, that was uh, um, really, really close to me, very close. It was a really, really violent death, and it affected me a lot. Um and I think that's that's probably around the first time that I started thinking about recovery. Okay. My, you know, just got that glimmer of yeah. A little bit, right. you know, it was it was like, yeah, something's gotta something's gotta change. Um, was that a fleeting thought at that point, or was it uh, something that you, you know, took? Was there anything kind of done at that point, or was it just more, oh shit, this can't keep going on like this? Um, no, I, I actually, I, I do believe I went to detox at that time. Okay. I, like I tried getting better. Yeah. Um, 
that didn't work. <laughs> right. Um, that didn't work. Was it like a seven-day seven, seven day detox kind of deal, or was it a little bit longer than that? Or? Um, actually, yeah, my first detox was actually at the old Vic Juvie. Um, and it was, you know, I've been to detox, you know, a few more times after that. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was, that was a different experience in itself. You know, the, the room that I was made to get better in, get well was actually a, a cell that I used to spend time in when no I was in juvenile detention. No. So it was, it was, it was a little weird. Right. It was a little different. I think it kind of affected my stay. Right. So, um, so this was a, this was a old youth facility that got turned into a detox center, but yeah. obviously not too many alterations being made. No, no, it was, same... it was pretty much identical. Wow. It was pretty much huh. identical. That's going to yeah. be a bit of a mind game right there. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was different. Right. It was different. And so, um, I mean, that's obviously taking action, at least in the moment, you know, and making a bit of a statement going into detox. Yeah. Um, but one of those ones where you're in, but didn't set enough ground when you back out, how long did it take to get back to things? Oh, that night. Just right away. Oh yeah. yeah. Ab yeah. Absolutely. So, right. You it, know, was, it, it was the breather and it was at least a little bit of a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the group of people I was hanging out with too, you know, right. um, you know, as soon as I heard they were out, they were over with right. everything you need to have a party. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. And yeah. I guess that's, that's the hard part. And that's something we see all the time, right? Is, um, you know, even when that, that desire is there and even when their steps are being made, if we're going back to the same situation and to the same friends, it's a, it's a hard one, right? It's a hundred percent, Yeah, hundred percent, you know, um, knowing what I know now that, you know, if you're serious about recovery, it's, it, you know, you really can't go back into the same surroundings, mm -hmm. same people that it, right. It's not going to work. Didn't right. work for me. Yeah. You gotta yeah. make some changes. That's for sure. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's early, early on. So you're, tw you're 25 kind of taking a stab. What, what, what happened after that? How long were you kind of back in? Um, it was pretty much right back into the same thing, you know, um, in and out of jail, hospitals, mental institutions. Um, and that, that continued up until my latest shot at recovery. Right. So how many years are we talking about here? 37 altogether. 37. 37 oh. altogether. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And during that time, so that was, so you kind of had that one, one moment in 25, were there any more kind of, you know, small attempts? Like, was there any more detox days or any more like times where you did see some period of, you know, sobriety or, you know, some, some agent of change kind of happening for you? No. Right. No. Okay. Um, it was just, again, it was just, it was full throttle. Right. Um, you know, um, didn't, didn't know any different. Okay. You know, um, this, you know, yeah, just, you know, growing up in reformatories and, um, you know, got kicked out of school at an early age. Um, yeah, I just didn't, didn't know much different. So just went right back into the same thing, right? Right back into the same thing. And, you know, where, I mean, can you give us a, a little bit of a sense of, of kind of where your head was at? So obviously like you didn't know any different was, did you ever see, um, you know, a, a light or a, you know, an option to change or was it like, was that in the, in the mindset or was it just kind of the, the tunnel vision of 
where you're at? Um, no. Um, you know, my, my life at that point, Blake, was um, I just honestly didn't see a future e- either way. Um, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, it, you know, it, it was, it was, it was pretty much going to be prison or death for sure. Just okay. didn't see, didn't didn't see any other options. Um, right. Just with the life I'd already led, um, I didn't honestly just didn't have any reason. Mm-hmm. Did didn't didn't have any reason that I could see to change. Right. Um, yeah. And um, as far as you know, your supports during that time, you know, your your family, your or did you have workers, anybody who was kind of reaching out, you know, trying to trying to get you to to you know see things differently and to try to give you that hope. So is this? Are you talking like later on at? Well, even just during the during your you know thirty you know thirty some odd years of of. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. You know, like you know, all like. Especially like, especially with the juvenile system, um, you know, anytime you ever got in trouble, they would try and hook you up with counselors, all, all kinds of support. Right. Um, but unfortunately, when you don't want that support, right. um, you don't get that support. Yeah. You know, it's offered to you, but I didn't, I didn't take any of it. Right. And we see that a lot too. And I know that, you know, I always have, you know, those hard conversations with parents that are, you know, working hard to get their child supported. And I'm saying, well, if the child doesn't want it, you know, it's going to be a really, really hard go. And that's a, that's a hard, hard pill to swallow, obviously for, you know, loved ones and and people who are just wanting the best. It's, they feel, Hey, if you get surrounded by the right professionals or the right people that, you know, Hey, everything's going to get solved. And it's not the, it's not the, not the game we're in in that sense, is it? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So the, the the help might, even if the help was there, it wasn't, uh, you're, you're, your mindset was not in that place. Oh, not at all. Right. Not at all. Not at that point. Right. Um, you know, as I said, I think, I, I think for me, it was like, I got a little angrier after every death of a close mm. friend. I lost some really close friends o- over that period of time. Right. And I just think that after, you know, every death, it just compounded a little more. And I just felt like throwing everything away a little more. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And so all of a sudden this is, uh, yeah. yeah. Compounds and, and not dealing with it. And it's just that snowball effect. Right? Yeah. 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 So, okay. This is, you know, obviously a, a long-term thing. I, and I'm at this point, this is probably part of your identity. You've kind of the story that you're kind of selling your, you know, that, that, that you're creating is, is one of, like you say, you know, prisoner death and yeah. what changed and when, when did this change? So, you know, well, so the, the, the first time there was some change that I actually tried to make a change was um, I was told I was going to have twins. Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, was, it was, you know, shocked the hell out of me. Um, you know, it wasn't planned. Um, you know, I, I, I remember when I was told, I remember... You know, it, you know, just the way I was back then, the first thought was like, I can't take care of one child. You know, I can barely take care of myself, let alone right. one child, let alone two. Right. Um, but it was at that point that I tried, um, 
you know, I'm not going to say like I made a huge serious attempt to fully clean up, but I did try to straighten up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tried to try to lessen the use. Um, actually quit drinking alcohol at that point. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, um, ended up, you know, again, going, falling back into it, you know, getting heavier, ended up losing my children, losing my wife. Um, yeah, everything, everything went downhill again. Right. Um, and I guess, yeah, things, things basically went like that. Um, for the, you know, the rest of it, I ended up moving in with my mom. Um, you know, we got, we got a place together. We, we shared a place for, I think about 10 years. Um, you know, I didn't see my mom much that entire 10 years I spent in a room alone, shooting up as much dope as I possibly could. You know, Mm -hmm. after I lost the kids and my wife, I, uh, again, lost myself. Um, so, you know, I think subconsciously I was probably trying to kill myself. I, I, Mm -hmm. I remember the amount of dope I was using and it was, it, it, it was just outrageous. Um, but like towards the end of that 10 years, um, my mom had gone to the doctor just for, for, for something normal. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was something fairly normal. Um, and she came home at the end of that day and told me that she had uh, cancer. She had uh, brain cancer, pancreatic cancer, and lung cancer, and had... Uh, two weeks to three months to live. Wow. And uh, going in for something totally unrelated. Yeah. That is right. It it was like she had something in her eye. Like she thought she had a piece of glass in her eye or something. Right. And they x-rayed it and then they found that. Um, And I mean, even though like I didn't see my mother much in that time, we we were super close. You know, I've I've always been really close with my mother. So that was, you know, I think that was the, one of the worst kicking kicks in the face I've ever had. Right. Um, so yeah, um, my, you know, my sister and my niece, my sister, absolute angel, Tina Dixon. She actually works for Umbrella now. She does. Um, she moved in with us because she was actually a care aide at that time and took care of people that were unwell. Um, so yeah, her and my niece moved in. Um, I, I honestly, at that point, don't remember seeing much of them, um, at, at that point, like the, my sister took care of my mom for the last three months of her life. And she, was it three months? Yeah, yeah, about, about three months. Um, and at that point, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I could use any more dope. But like I literally was using so much, I, don't, I barely remember seeing anybody. Uh, right. At that point, I was completely numb just an oblivion um you know i i I remember the thought of and you know it was it 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 was fucking selfish as hell um but i remember thinking like what am i gonna do when Mm. my mom goes you know that was like the first thought right and and um 
you know, but the thoughts of a, somebody hardcore in addiction thinking about themselves, you right. know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I remember barely seeing them. Um, but I do remember uh, towards the end there, um, you know, I, I, I'd go and try to say, say goodnight to my mom nightly if I could. Um, but I do remember going into her room one night towards the end and she was like extra lucid. Like she, mm -hmm. she had her senses more about her. Right. And like she tapped on the side of her bed and, uh, and I sat down and, and this wasn't normal. She hadn't been like talking much for the last bit because she was, you know, it, it, the, the cancer was affecting her brain quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, she, she, you know, patted down beside the bed and I sat down and she literally looked me in the eyes and she was just like, you need to get better. She's like, uh, and I could tell she wasn't fucking kidding around. Right. It was like, she was this dead is... serious. And it was like, I can't go unless I know you're going to be well and be able to take care of yourself, Lance. Wow. Um, if you were ever going to do anything for me, um, yeah, if you ever wanted to do anything for me, um, you'll do this for me. You'll, you'll get well. Holy. And that fucking hit me like a, an absolute ton of bricks. Like I, I remember it with crystal clarity. Something, something changed there. Right. Like something that had never, that just never happened right before. Through. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so we had a fairly long discussion and I told her, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to do this for you. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and I remember, and that was it. Um, you know, I had a discussion with my sister, um, that night and, you know, again, through my addiction, through, especially through that last 10 years, me and my, my sister and my niece barely talked, you know, right. we talked Christmas time, birthdays, that's it. Yeah. And I get it. I was fucked up. Right. Um, but I talked to my sister and she said, you know, look, if you're serious about getting well, bro, I'm here for you and I'll help you any way I can. Wow. Um, so, you know, we talked about it more. My mom, um, I think at that point passed away about three days later. Um, I was still in the same place that we shared, I think, for about another 10 days. Um, my sister moved back to her place. And, uh, yeah, my sister helped get me ready to change right. my life, you know. We called detox. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, things started changing. That, that's when my that life was... started to change. Right. Yeah. Because that... That moment was that defining moment, right? That yeah, okay. it was. It right. was. Um, so and obviously that you have this, you know, amazing support that's that's going to help you through that process. It's obviously a terrifying and daunting uh, prospect, but it sounded like the conviction was there. That X factor obviously was was now present. Yeah, and then you had some support for the system navigation side. So you called detox. Yeah, how long did that take? Oh, wow. Um, how long did that take? I think at that point it was two weeks. That's pretty good. I think, yeah, for these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, like I think, dream. yeah, it was, it was about two weeks. Um, 
I got into detox. Um, I can't remember if I got hooked up with stabilization in there or before we went in. I was still in, you know, in a bit of a haze, mm-hmm. 37 years of bullshit. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I went in. Um, I think I, at that point, I ended up having to stay a little longer because something was wrong. Can't remember exactly, but I think I stayed 11 days. I uh, did that. They sent me over to stabilization for 30 days. Did that. Um, while I was in stabilization, I actually heard about Umbrella. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I actually remember being in stabilization, and I think it was about my second week into the 30 days, and I was absolutely fucking terrified. Didn't know where I was going. Right. Like, I had Where's no idea what step? I was doing. Right. Um, but then again, I, I heard about this society called umbrella and uh so um called them actually talked to you right. and uh you know we discussed what some of my options could be um you know you told me about the recovery housing uh foundation house cooper house um i do believe not now that i remember though i do believe that right before yeah sorry Right before I had done that, I had gotten set up with Comerford House. Right. So I it, that was actually a, a, another first age three month program. Right through Island Health. Yes. yes. Yeah. I ended up staying there. I think for about nine months. Wow. Um, Which is pretty unprecedented at the time to be able to stay for that long. It way. was. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got to say, the, you know, the people at Comerford went out of their way to help me. You know, they were mm-hmm. trying to get me into programming and stuff. Um, it wasn't working. Um, apparently, I have a bit of a history with Island Health. It's something called a purple dot, right? Which makes it extremely yeah. hard to access some. Right. So yeah. you got flagged for something I, that you did in the past. Violence. And, right. and, yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was yeah. They were they were trying. They were right. trying. It, it wasn't working. Right. Um, but anyway, so I did that, and uh, at that point, I remember I had had some stomach issues, or I would have been coming right in with umbrella to the recovery housing but so i went went to my sister's stayed with her for about six months got my 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 issue taken care of and uh yeah well and i remember during that time so you were you know i I, and i I, I, there's always you know stuck with me is you're up at at your sister's and you were still you had asked to continually get urine screened is that correct yes you know uh to you know as accountability but also just to show your readiness in the program that yeah. just always that blew me away that you know that showed me that you were very serious about your recovery right you know and uh we're doing what it, it you needed to do to, to to stay on that path um how long were you so six months and then that was when you got the call to come down to to our third stage house is that i did I mean, I remember we had the discussion we had was whether I would be going into second stage or third stage, Um, but because of the amount of clean time I already had, we, we, you know, we, we agreed that third stage would probably be appropriate, Mm -hmm. which worked. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I ended up going to, I went to uh, Cooper House, Cooper House, went there for about five months, and you guys told me that there was a new house opening called Potter. Uh, I had an offer to get a room there. I took it. It was great. Mm. Phenomenal. Um, yeah, and that was, you know, that was like my, I guess my entry with Umbrella. 
That's right. Yeah. I remember right about that time was when there was, uh, you know, uh, some openings um, in our transitional housing sites. We, you know, during during COVID, um, you know, obviously there was a real push, um, you know, for more housing, more, you know, uh, transitional housing in, in our city because there was a, a huge, a huge issue. And and. Um, we got brought in uh, and we're still, you know, as part of a support team and on in some of these transitional housing sites. And uh, and I and I believe it was you who reached out to me to, to ask about about, you know, saying you're interested. I don't know. Or maybe it was me reaching out to you. I, I forget how that actually happened. But you your name kind of came up and and you were you expressed a lot of interest in, in joining the workforce. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard when I was at. Um, I do believe it was Cooper House that. Some of my roommates were, I do believe, delivering meals. Somebody was with encampment. Yeah, there was an encampment project. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I just remember when I found that out, I was just like, wow, you know, like they're hiring people in recovery. You know, I I had no idea, no idea. So yeah, yeah, I I phoned down. I can't remember. I think I talked to you. I think I was the one who got to put your, your name for it. It's, yeah. It's I got a call the next day. <laughs> hey, do you want a job? Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I'd worked, I think for, a, you know, through all these years of addiction and everything, I think I literally worked a year and a half of my life. Wow. Um, you know, worked in a bakery for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Monday magazine for a bit. Um, but like other than that, like I just had no idea. Right. Had no idea. So what was this experience? All of a sudden now you're joining the workforce. You're, uh, you know, and, and not only joining the workforce, you're doing work where you're able to provide connection and support to people uh, that were in similar shoes to you that were that are going through their their own, you know, substance use struggles. Uh, what was what was that like? And what was that experience like for you? Incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say. Absolutely changed my life. Um, you know, Blake, I honestly don't think I would be where I am in my recovery today um, without this opportunity. You know, um, giving back to the community that I used to be a part of. Um, you know, being able to help people get better. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I just never dreamt of doing anything like this in my life. So, right. you know, the opportunity to, um, to have a job one was incredible. Um, and then I found out the work I was doing. It's just incredible, dude. Yeah. It's incredible. Umbrella's absolutely changed my life. Right. Um, well, it was one of those, you know, it was a, it was a kind of a perfect union in, in, in my eyes too, because, you know, you had this and you have this way of, of connecting with the, you know, the residents of, of, you know, the transitional housing sites that you're working at, that you have worked at, uh, in a way that, that it seems to have so much impact, you know, and, and I, I looked at it as, you know, but also to the, the commitment and the honesty that you, that you brought to your job every day, you know, and, uh, the genuine aspect, you know, of, of your approach is, is, is unbelievable. And, um, I mean, Obviously, there's some profound relationships that are that are built. Is it, uh, you know, how how is that? How do you manage the, you know, building these relationships, but also kind of keeping in that professional realm? Is that 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, being part of that culture, that, um, that life for so long, uh, you know, I think I've, I've, I think I've, you know, I think I've pretty much been through everything that most of those people have been through. So can, you know, can just understand where they're coming from. Right. Um, yeah. 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 I just, you know, I, I get it. Right. I, you know, I, I, I get what they're going through. Right. And that's kind of, it kind of takes that compassion piece to another level, right? When you, when you're actually, yeah, when you've, when you've been there and, and I think that that, that definitely resonates, um, you know, with, with the clan load. And I, I always just thought, you know, working at, a, at, at, you know, the, the site you're working at that has almost 200 residents and it, it seemed like every single resident had a, you know, a personal relationship with you and you kind of were the, the go-to a lot of times. And, and for me, I looked at that and, and I look at that a lot of work that we do is being that kind of conduit and almost that, that middle ground where you can, you know, take a message that might need to be, uh, you know, uh, passed along, but doing it in a way that's going to resonate and, and, uh, you know, speak to the individual that much more and that, that human piece. And I, I, I just, I look at that as being so valuable and, you know, we, we kind of have that, you know, I think that's, that's our, our, the service that we offer in the hospitals as well. And in all yep. of our different programs is we get to bring that human piece, that non-clinical approach, um, to, to, you know, talking about hard, hard issues. And I've always been impressed too, that you're not someone who pulls his punches. You're going to call it the way you see it. And I, and I think, I think people respect that and I know your colleagues respect that and I respect that, but I, the people you work with really respect that as well. That it's that, that the genuine aspect to it. Um, now you've been doing this for, for a long time now, you know, all, all of a sudden you're, you know, one of, one of the veterans of our, you know, of our team and, uh, someone that everybody looks up to, um, you know, so providing support, obviously, you know, as a, you know, we have a couple different aspects to the job. One is creating this relationship, the other is when someone's wanting to make a change, we are that piece that navigates this uh, this complex system, you know. And and can you speak to the challenges that someone, you know, wanting to get, in, get into recovery, um, but is just on that cusp, but still in active addiction? What are the, the biggest challenges you, you think they face, and what are the challenges that you've seen when you're walking along beside folks? You know, I think one of the biggest challenges I see would have to be wait time for services right um you know recovery services in general just yeah. um they're, they're too long you know uh, when people want help and want to get well they kind of want to do it now you right. know um yeah that would be that would be the one biggest biggest problem i see definitely is it's just wait times right. um yeah, they, they need to be cut down, you know, right. um, you know, I've just, I've personally seen it where, you know, somebody wants to get well and I, you know, I, I mean, I, I hear it quite often people want to get well, but, yeah. but every once in a while you get that person, you can tell mm -hmm. that they're serious, you know, and right. they, they want to do it. They want to get clean and it, it, it's the barrier of having to wait. Right. You know, um, it, it's so tough for people that are in addiction. You know, I would say, especially at 
especially at the housing sites because they're just surrounded by use. Right. Um, you know, if they don't get that help sooner than later, they're around it all the time. Right. You know, they're they're and I know this from experience, they're going to fall back into it. You know, like I've right. seen I've seen people go, you know, um, try and detox themselves, try and try and, mm. and, and 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 do that, you know, try and get themselves better. Um, and just themselves doing it there. It's just it's just where they're living. Mm. Um yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, I love where I work, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it's just, especially at, at the sites, it's really hard, because right. there's just, there's so much use around, and um, yeah, the wait times are too long. Right, so They're if someone's wanting to make that change, you know, the fact that we cannot provide that support in real time. Yes, 100%, 100%. So, I mean, and, and uh, you know, I've seen this a lot, I'm sure you've seen, you know, the, the referrals or the detox referrals that... Hey, you know, in the moment there's that conviction. And then when the bed comes up four or five weeks later, it's just not there anymore. Right. How many lost referrals, you know, we've had because tons, what, you tons. know, that's a light, that's a lifetime in, in, a, yeah. in a certain respect. Right. hundred percent. Absolutely. Someone's conviction can be completely turned around by then. Yep. A lot could have happened in those five weeks. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's hard to hang on. Like you say too, in, in an environment where it's all around you. It's just too easy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, slip back into what, what do you do? So, I mean, I guess, you know, that's part of your role is keeping the, trying to keep that flame of determination alive a little bit during that time. And absolutely. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's why we're there. You know, I always say our job is, um, 90% support, 10% paperwork. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're there for them. And, uh, you know, we're a recovery service and that's what we try and do. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I know that the, it kind of comes in ebbs and flows, but you know, I've always been blown away by, and I think it comes down to the conversations you're willing to have with people about making change, you know, yeah. and that that's sometimes a really hard conversation, you know, and, um, and I think that, you know, it's also having a bit of, you know, that I think you're, you're skilled at having that finger on the pulse to know when someone actually is ready. Like you say, there's that yeah. extra and okay, I'm going to put in a little bit more effort here yeah. to keep yeah. this person, uh, you know, with that conviction, you know, and it's, I think being able to know who that is and, but also having the guts to keep up that conversation and, uh, you know, and to broach that subject. I think yeah. it's really hard, right. You know, so, um, you know, I, I admire that and, um, yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the, being able to offer some, I always think that if, you know, someone says, I want to go to detox, man, it'd be really nice to be able to say, okay, let's go <laughs> hop in the car. We're going to go and grab that help. Right. You know, it's, it's a pipe dream, but I, I, I really, you know, or at least it, you know, within a reasonable amount of time that someone can kind of get that, that care and support they needed. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I, like I said, I, I, I think it, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing about, you know, the moment that that may change for you because i think that's different for everybody and you know i look at it too as something that it's really hopeful this is 37 years you know i'm sure you know uh looking back there's there's times of hopelessness you know or or that you know not really being able to look at, at change and um but just know that 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 moment of of conviction may come at any time and uh man it can sure stick because you know it, it's it's funny i've only known you in in recovery you know, and, right. and I've seen, seen, and I still see the growth that you're continuing to make in your recovery. Right. And it's, uh, you know, 
I love being on, on this side of it, you know, and I think it's, but it's great to touch that, Hey, this, this can take a long time, you know, to get to this point, right? you know, cause I think that, you know, that the Lance I know is it's, it's, a, I'm really glad that you've, that you did stick with it and you did get that, that moment of determination. Um, so obviously you have some, some big supports in your life, you know, um, uh, along the way, you know, but mom and sister, obviously, you know, big, big pushes. Oh yeah. Any? My, my mom, you know, hundred percent, Yeah. my sister and my niece, you know, they're, they're incredible umbrella. Um, actually met this. Well, she's my new best friend. Her name's actually Ashley Rankin. Okay. Her name's Ashley Rankin. Yeah. She works for umbrella. She sure too. Does. Um, she's been a huge help, huge help. Um, I think for years I was scared to have a super close friend because I seem to lose him every few years. Right. Um, she's the first person I've let myself get super close with since I've been in recovery. And she, yeah, I, yeah, I just want to give her a shout out. She's been yeah. a huge, huge help, Absolutely. huge help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, man. No, that's great. Well, like I said, um, it's, it's an absolute pleasure that, you know, um, to see you continue to grow and, uh, you know, and, and to continue to grow in, in your career, you know, and that's, uh, that's a cool place to be. I didn't realize you'd been worked so little up until now. Cause you know, like I said, I, I, your, your work ethic and your, you know, first guy on the job and you know, that you're, you're uh, somebody who's always hitting the, the ground running, you, you would think that you were just a seasoned veteran in the workforce. Got a lot right? of time to make yeah. up for. There you go. Well, you're doing a good job with that there, brother. You know, you're you're a consistent man, you know, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, with this, like I said, this is our, our first podcast of the year. I think it's really fitting uh, to have you on because um, not only are you, you know, it's such a great recovery story, but, you know, a really uh, a big face for, for Umbrella and, and a real, you know, big member of the team. So, um, yeah, real proud of you, man. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think this has been great. So we may, appreciate have, a, it, may man. have you back on, me on at some point, you know, and hopefully these podcasts keep on going. So, yeah. Right. Well, thanks brother. Yeah. Thank you too, Blake. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you once again to Lance for having the courage to come onto this program and to share such a touching and uh, powerful story. This one personally really hits home for me. It's just a reminder that, you know, sometimes it takes a big event in someone's life to have the impetus and conviction and courage to make that big change. And even after years of substance misuse and addiction, um, you know, that big change can happen and recovery is still possible. So that gives me incredible hope. Um, you know, I'm really grateful that Lance, um, was able to keep that promise to his mom by maintaining his recovery the way he has. I'm also incredibly grateful that Lance has found such vocation and a sense of purpose in uh, his work with Umbrella and, and those that we serve. Um, it just shows the power of giving back. It also makes me think, too, that if Lance didn't have the courage to make that big change, all these individuals that have um, you know, been supported by Lance and have uh, been impacted by his work, uh, they would have never been able to experience that. So somebody making a change and, and you know, entering recovery, that's, that's not just about themselves. That's about the greater community. Uh, recovery has a ripple effect, you know, throughout our community. So, um, you know, it's, it's just something that I don't think we can take for granted. Um, and you know, I'm incredibly grateful for, for Lance's recovery. Lance is sure grateful for his recovery. Um, you know, he's grateful for umbrella 
And man, for the first couple of years that he worked for us, he showed it on a daily basis. So pretty much every time Lance came into our office, he would uh, bring a dozen donuts, at least a dozen donuts, sometimes more. And, uh, you know, even if he was just coming in for, you know, a minute to grab some papers, there was a dozen donuts. And I said to him, Lance, I think there's only like five or six of us working here on any given day. Um, I ate a whole ton of donuts those first couple of years that Lance worked for us. And now I'm actually off sugar. And I think I have Lance to thank for that. So <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. Um, yeah. And, you know, I do want to take this opportunity to remind people that September is um, recovery month and uh, Umbrella Society for its second year in a row uh, is really pushing hard with a recovery campaign, highlighting individuals in our community that have uh, seen success in their own recovery. Um, you know, we have their faces plastered on the sides of buses and, and uh, you know, uh, flooding our social media um, so uh, please, you know, go go to our Facebook page, um, you know, and check out our website, UmbrellaSociety.ca, um, you know, to, to learn more about our campaign. Um, we really want to get out the word that recovery is possible and to really initiate these conversations uh, throughout our community. Um, as for this podcast, it's just going to keep on running here. So I have a, another fantastic uh, um, yeah, conversation coming up in, in a couple weeks time. So please keep posted for that. In the meantime, um, you know, thank you so much for listening. Please get the word out there. We want as many people listening to this podcast as possible. Uh, from Victoria, British Columbia, my name is Blake Anderson. <laughs>